welcome to You Haven't Seen That, a podcast where we watch classic films from the 80s and 90s that my co-host has not seen. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by... Eric. Uh, I'm that co-host who uh, Chris has just brought up, and yeah, I missed a lot of films, as you might already know if you've listened previously, uh, during my, my formative years, and um, we're playing catch-ups. Yeah, yeah, this is our uh, fifth episode, and uh, we're going to take a little bit of time and look at probably one of the my favourite films from childhood, <laughs> and I dare I say one of the most influential for me as a, as a kid, the 1979 film The Muppet Movie. Hey, we're all going to Hollywood. You want to come with us? Hollywood! It's time to grab your pack, stick out your thumb, and hitch a ride for the adventure of your life. Hey, wait for me! It's Jim Henson's The Muppet Movie. Moving right along. Yeah, I didn't realise how big a deal the Muppet movie was till I met Chris. Yeah, um, <laughs> or just the Muppets in general. I, yeah. was, I was raised on the Muppets hardcore. Yeah, because yeah, my only exposure to the Muppets really was a bit on the ses- on Sesame Street. Yeah, and um, and I think I probably saw Muppet Treasure Island. I want to say. Okay, so you got onto the Muppets after the downturn. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I and it was from yeah. you know I was a kid and I thought that film was okay. It's not bad, but it's it's definitely one of the lesser of the Muppet movies. And that's what I understand now, with my, my knowledge. And Yeah, yeah. You, I didn't really know much about him until until you, and I know that your passion is, is extreme. Yeah, it was <laughs> one where, like, I, I think it mu- I think it was because of, you know, having, you know, parents, one that was born in North America, mm-hmm. and, you know, both of them having lived there, they kind of really, the Muppets were kind of a staple of North American television in the kind of, uh, even in the late 50s through to, you know, the, you see, I never, the late 70s. So. I, up until recently, I didn't realise how far back they dated. And well, how. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give you a history lesson at, at, at yeah, some yeah. point, like whether we do, uh, do that now or later on. When, whenever it pops up and seems appropriate, you yeah. know, it works fine. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I was raised on watching old episodes of The Muppet Show, mm. and then following on from that, Fraggle Rock, I was huge yep. into, and then obviously all the direct Muppet films, the Sesame Street, obviously. Yep. All the direct Muppet movies, and then, you know, the offshoot ones like Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, like... Yep. Yeah. The, the Henson Workshop stuff, or whatever it is. Yeah, they, Jim Henson was almost like a second parent to me, almost. <laughs> <laughs> so, he was the nanny. Yeah, yeah, yeah essentially. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm dialed in on this, and I, I can't... Yep. Normally, the last few episodes, I've sort of said, guessed how many times I've seen yeah. the film in the past. I, I couldn't tell you with this one. Oh, uh, yeah. If you've seen, like, Roger Rabbit, like, 30 times, you must have seen this I, <laughs> twice as many. Yeah, at least. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is, this is a great one. So, I suppose the, the real question is, uh, what are you expecting going into it? Yeah, well... This is obviously more in the collection because, well, you're a massive advocate for it as a childhood film. And, yes. And, uh... Yeah, Muppets, I guess, probably, yeah, not as Australian, perhaps, as obviously North American, um, in terms of how much they were on TV, free-to-air sort of stuff here. Yeah, I think the only um, show we got on free-to-air... Well, Sesame Street, really, wasn't Well, Sesame it? Street and uh, Muppets Tonight, actually, which... Did we uh, get that? Yeah, during, uh, I think that started in 1998. Oh, okay. Or, or 96 to 98 or yeah, something. Yeah, so we obviously missed so many of the... I don't know. Well, we, I mean, we, we, weren't, weren't, alive. we weren't alive. Yeah. We were alive for Fraggle Rock. No, so during which also was on childhood, think, we missed... Yeah. A lot of that stuff, anyway. Um, so it's in the list because of um, more of a yeah, the impact it had on you and, and some other people I've probably met along the way. And I would also and like a lot of the world. Yeah, that, that's what I was <laughs> going to say. The, the influence on pop culture and I guess kind of child uh, children's mm. entertainment. I guess yeah, it's so a massive thing. 
For me, um, I, I've seen a little, like, little snippets in the last few years of, of various Muppet sketches, and they're actually pretty hilarious uh, and, and very clever. So um, much more maybe than Muppet Treasure Island was. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot more depth to the characters than I ever would have just thought, hey, it's a frog. Mm. So, and he's got a crush on the pig. <laughs> so, so Muppet Treasure Island is sort of your only real exposure. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, apart from you know Oscar the Grouch and some counting on yeah. Sesame Street. I never liked Sesame Street much. What? Yeah, really? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't watch. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't watch it that much. I, I just I don't know. Found it kind of annoying. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So I don't even. No, really no, have it's that okay. Much you don't have a soul. It's all yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, give me play school any day. I want to know what was through the round window. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then, yeah, when I was a lot younger, I wasn't interested in Sesame Street. Then when I got a bit older, I just wasn't watching at that time in the afternoon when it was on, I guess. Maybe school went later. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so with this, yeah, I'm expecting a a much more fleshed out group of characters than I probably ever gave it credit for. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking for some quite clever humour. That's what I'm sort of expecting. Uh, Once again, much more than I would have, um, maybe even appreciated younger. I'm not sure. Um... And, yeah, characters that, yeah, the depth of the character, really, and their relationships that are, are much more than just a frog and a pig. And, you know, just some characters here and there, just kind of this scattered, eclectic collection of colourful characters. I'm looking forward to all sorts of, um, the, you know, Animal and the Band and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> and Beaker and the other one. Oh, Bunsen Honeydew. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. That's it, yeah, and just... Because his head looks like a melon. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm just yeah, I'm looking forward to all the different characters because um, there's just so many in the Henson Workshop, obviously, and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. So, um, well, I, th- I think you might be in luck. Yeah, I, I think. I, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually quite excited for this because I do think it is one that um, yeah, I, I don't know a lot about, and the little bits I have seen over the last few years have actually been, I've actually been quite pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh, I think I've missed something here. Mm. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, yeah, it'll be fascinating. Sweet, should we uh, jump into it then? Yep, let's give it a crack, and um, fingers crossed it turns out how I expect it to be. Alright. So yeah, that was the Muppet movie. <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty good. It was a little bit slower to get going than I thought it would. Yeah, it's, it's very much a product of its time, I think. Mm. Um, in terms of pacing, uh, very much in terms of joke structure and storytelling. Yep, yep. It, it's just trying to very mildly entertain and in, like keep, yep. keep you enjoying yourself the entire way through. Like you said, the very start, wholesome. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep, wholesome. Um, a little bit of cheeky, a little bit of clever. Um, I asked you at one stage if it was a Mel, if Mel Brooks is involved in writing it. <laughs> just with the things like the fork in the road. and Yeah, just, yeah. just so many dumb jokes like that. They're still quite entertaining and so easy to enjoy. Um, and then Mel Brooks showed up and just rocked it. Yeah. The fog will do your bidding. He will do your every whim, your every wish. He will do your television commercial. Yes, he will sell your frog's legs. <laughs> <laughs> like, he had a lot of cameos, which we'll get to later, but he, yeah. He, he didn't hold back. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wondering, like, what you kind of maybe were expecting in terms of, um, like, an, I guess, narrative structure or, like, no a, a, a narrative, uh, I should I expect. I guess what I expected was um, the Muppets go on an adventure. Yeah. Uh, is, is the general 
broad narrative structure I was expecting, and that's kind of what happened, really. Yeah, um, we kind of meld, uh, melded together with the origin, like makes yes, origin story. And that I was didn't realise it would be an origin story um, yeah. so much um, because I, I don't know much about the 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 Muppet Show. That's what it's called, isn't yep. it? Um, I, I know from chatting with you that it's a little bit like. Um, a behind the scenes of a variety show, basically. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a cross between like a Saturday Night Live variety show in the terms of like there's comedy sketches, mm. um, but there's also like avant-garde kind of art pieces and musical numbers and things. But then it's also like the show is hosted by Kermit, and every week there's a guest host, kind of like Saturday Night Live. Yep. And then it would cut to backstage where like you know it's everyone's frantically trying to put the show on. It's a bunch of people putting yeah. on a show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was expecting maybe a, a bit more of that, or that launching pad, that being the launching pad for the movie. Yeah. Rather than like going from the pre-existing knowledge, and obviously that would yeah. be the same knowledge of the people at the time that the yes. film came out of being like, oh, we're just going to go from the Muppet Show to something. Film. Yeah. Yep. And um, probably a good thing they didn't, because it wouldn't have made any sense to me at all if yeah. that was the case. I guess <laughs> uh, unless they set it up. Which they probably would have, I guess, but clearly there was an, enough of the film that I think I would have understood or, or enjoyed more if I'd watched the Muppet Show. Yeah, I think um, knowing a lot of the characters and their like uh, interactions with each other and their normal behaviours as as characters from the show, mm. um, recognizing uh, character cameos and things like that, like the, the even at the very end, the, the electricity operator. Oh yeah, the Harry, hun- the ha- crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, the hunchback of Notre Dame looking thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Harry. <laughs> yeah, like and and even like the guy who um he was the explosions and special effects expert on the show. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Yeah. So um yeah, even just recognizing some of those, like it was still still fun to see. But um like most of the main ones, I did recognize. Mm. I think all of them. I guess the only one I didn't know all that well was the the dog character Ralph. R- Rolf. 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 Um, the dog. Um, but you know, I, I knew Gonzo and. And Fozzie, although I'd never really seen Fozzie do much. and Yeah, in the original series and things, Fozzie, like, his bit was he was a stand-up comedian. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> but he just wasn't very good. Okay, so... That's kind of Fozzie's yeah. shtick. Here I am, Fozzie Bear, to tell you jokes about old and rare. Waka, waka, waka. Ah! <laughs> and he's also, like, you know, Kermit's best friend. Kind of yeah, okay, so hence he's the logical choice to bump into first. <laughs> yep. The, yep. the nice progression now kind of goes through of like first you meet Fozzie, then the two of them meet Gonzo, yeah. and you're introduced to just like the absolute weirdness that is him. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't emerge from the film knowing any more about Gonzo. No, and like I, I, it, except it's he's really, a plumber <laughs> who has a weird love affair with chickens. Yeah, and like Fozzie sums it up so perfectly. It's like we picked up a weirdo. Like, yes. That's, just, like, because that's what Gonzo's role has always been in the Muppets is he's just the weirdo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and no one can kind of pin down who he is, what he what is. What he is. Like, I mean, they address the does. what he is a little bit in the film as well. Yeah. Um, as we were talking about, he's uh, these days he's an, he's officially an alien. I yeah. Believe. Ever since Muppets from Space, he's now classified as an alien. He has so. a he has a species. Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of. But he decides to stay home on Earth with all oh. the Muppets. Because they're a family. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, like, but I mean, you, you mentioned know. it, we should probably get into it. That is the kind of... Essence of everything. It's the point <laughs> of the film. Um, yeah. It's it's a really clever way, I think, for Jim Henson to essentially tell his story mm. using the Muppets as an allegory. Yes. So, that's what I was wondering. Is is this sort of Jim Henson's Muppet Show origin story? Yeah, it's, it's basically a... a 
kind of thinly veiled version. Like, I mean, obviously he wasn't found in a swamp playing banjo. Duh. But it, <laughs> <laughs> That's a pity. Yeah, but it is sort of Jim Henson used the opportunity to branch into film to be able to tell a story of a group of kind of disparate outcast people coming together and... Creating something very special. Yeah. And becoming a family. Of yeah, a I mean, that, that's the very end thing is um, him sort of saying, like, we've... We've come together. Yeah, like, mm. his speech that he gives to Doc Hopper and, and like yeah. the high noon standout is like we're a bunch of people that have all come together trying to see uh, live our dreams and like make them a reality, and we're we're a family because of it. And, yeah, yeah. So did he like he, the way he sort of met Frank Oz and the, uh, Dave? Uh, Dave Goals, uh, yeah. Jerry Jules, uh, Jerry Nelson. So we kind of met um, them all along the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, it originally started in 1959. It was like him and I think uh, the woman that went then go on to be his wife. Um, yeah. The, the Muppets kind of first started on a show called Sam and Friends, and Kermit mm. and Rolf the Dog were the first two Were characters. they just shorts? So. They were kind of like bit characters and stuff, yep. and then uh, that ran till 1961, yep. and then after that, Kermit and Rolf would like appear in commercials and things, mm-hmm. and Henson slowly started to build up... And hence... The- th- sorry, that, no, hence no. that's why it's Kermit the Frog and Rolf the Dog. They've got such simple names. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. They, they were using like commercials and things, and yep. then... Slowly, Henson uh, built up the Muppet, the Hen- like the Henson Company and the Muppets, yep. creating more and more puppets as they went along. I, I think he, as the story goes, he met um, Frank Oz when Frank Oz was still a high school student, actually. Wow. Like, and you know, Henson yeah. was in his early twenties, and Oz was like, "I can't. I'm still. I have to graduate first. <laughs> and so that's how he introduced him to, I think, Jerry Nelson, and yep. then it slowly grew into like this small family of like, you know, f- uh, I think four or five of them ended up. Yep kind of coming together, and um, they could never really get anything off the ground until um, Sesame Street was actually the first real thing, and that was 1963, I want to say. So they managed to break through some of their characters onto... Well, they they got um, hired, like, uh, someone... I forget the name of the person approached, being like, hey, we really like the puppeteer work that you guys do. Yep. Are you able to help incorporate that into kind of early children's learning mm-hmm. educational stuff? Yep. And Henson agreed to, like, design, create, and operate, like, all of the puppets. Yep. And in also use some of his own, like, Kermit's in Sesame Street. Yeah, and see, that's where I get confused with things like this. Yeah. Because obviously Kermit's the central character of this film. Yeah. But then, like, other Sesame Street characters, like Bert and Ernie and stuff, they're not in this at all. Yeah. Are they... Sesame Street only sort of thing? Kind or? of, yeah. yeah. Okay, the, so it's the, sort of one of these crossover... It, with doing Sesame Street, Henson, part of his deal was he didn't take any performer's money, Yeah, he, but he retained the right to all of his original creations. Ah, oh, yeah, cool. Good idea. So okay. that's how then he later branched off and created The Muppet Show, which was aimed at a kind of more adult, kind of interesting... Yep. Thing. And I guess that was kind of branching off as well. Uh, the Muppets appeared in the first season of Saturday Night Live as well. They were part of the cast. Oh. Alongside, like, Dan Aykroyd and yeah. Chippy Chase and stuff. They would do adult sketches with the Muppets. <laughs> wow, interesting. Okay, so obviously Jim was a big up-and-comer yeah. through yeah. that time. And to draw it back to the film, yes. you were talking about Henson's funerals, and obviously that was a very heartfelt affair. Hmm. So all these people stayed extremely close. Yeah, and very I'm much And uh, if there are any left, there must be a couple left. Yeah, yeah, um, um, I think... Ooh, I want to say Jerry... I think Jerry Nelson died either earlier this year or late last year. Yeah. But, Everyone else is still alive except for um, Jim Henson. He he died in 1990. Yeah, I thought it was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So he, they he, were very close up until 
then and obviously even yeah. now. Yeah. And so, um, I, I, his son, actually, Brian Henson, kind of took over and had been inducted yeah. into the kind of brought into the group and things. So yep. it's still very much a Henson and a family and based yep. kind of thing. And yeah. so that reflects perfectly with the whole plot arc of the film. Then. Yeah. 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 Which is, yeah, like we said, a bunch of people all coming together, forming a family and trying to create something special. And as kind of... The thing that kind of hooks Kermit right at the beginning is when the he meets the agent in the swamp. Dom, Making people happy? Yeah. yeah. When Dom DeLuise rolls on in in a boat. Yeah, he just shows up. He throws out the idea of rich and famous making millions of people happy. Worldwide Studios announces open auditions for Frogs. Wishing to become rich and famous? Well, thanks anyway, but I'm really pretty happy where I am. Oh, oh, if I were you, I would give this audition very careful consideration. You've got talent, kid. Singing, telling jokes. You can make millions of people happy. Millions of people happy. And the thing that Kermit connects to is making people happy, not rich and famous. No, he passes on that straight away. It's yes. Like, and there's it's... an ad for frogs, and you'll be rich and famous. No thanks. <laughs> but bringing joy and making people happy is the thing that connects him, and that's kind of the th- why I think I love this so much. Is that that yeah. was Henson's kind of ethos, like through and the the idea of the Muppets is to bring people joy. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. And I think for me, seeing yeah, seeing like for the, the longest stretch of <laughs> combined Muppets characters and really like yeah, an origin story, I guess, is perfect. Mm. Um, like. Kermit is just so lovely, and, like, he's just, like, the essence of purity. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, it, it's fun. Like, you, you mentioned while watching the film you loved a lot of Kermit's kind of facial expressions. Yeah, and his facial expressions are spot on. Like, he's one where his eyes don't move. Um, like, he's just got... I mean, they're fixed... just... Sh- they're half ping-pong balls. Yeah, really. they, yeah exactly <laughs> right. And they've got, they've got those, that sort of frog-eye kind of look where they've got the little the line with the circle in the middle or whatever, a half circle. And, um, and then everything else is just him coming from his like forehead and, and and mouth kind of shrinking in size or he can actually grow through the length of his neck and that's where most of his movement and expression comes from but he he's the one where you I don't know whether it's Henson's puppet work or the puppet itself but you get the most out of when when Kermit is quivering or looking sad you you believe it yeah the other ones are they're puppets. Yeah, Fozzie has no emotion. Fozzie's got nothing except a creepy bald head. Yeah, I, that's the thing. Whenever Fozzie takes his hat off, I wish I he would put it. I wish he would put it straight back yeah, on. You never really see Fozzie in no other movie. Do you see Fozzie really? without his hat? Good. Not even the show. Like, yeah, good because children don't deserve to see that. <laughs> it's weird. It is. It's, it's really a weird. Strange dome. That's creeping me out. Uh, um, anyway, yes, you're right. Fozzie, Fozzie isn't there to be that kind of character, really. But no. Um, He's got no. He just says waka waka waka, and um, and has no expression. Um, but he's still likable because he, he's that perfect little, like sort of stable character alongside. And he, he's kind of like the sounding board for Kermit. Really, yeah, he just bounces ideas off and t- takes him from A to B, and he's just a stable. <laughs> he's Kermit's yes man. Yeah, yeah, well said. <laughs> and then um, and then in terms of puppets and expression, like Miss Piggy, it's just a mouth that moves. I've noticed, though, like... I the, mean, her body opera, work is yeah, big. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what makes Piggy so engaging, I think, is the vocal performance that Frank Oz does yes. with her. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. I didn't really realise that until the, her song about when she first lays eyes on Kermit. <laughs> Never again. 
um, and just like the, the final note, he just unleashes, um, and it just really rams home that song. Um, oh, he gives his all. Yeah, and, and it's just through like that that you, you sort of get an immediate insight into. You already, I already had a bit of previous knowledge that Piggy's a little bit uh, self-conceited and things like that, mm. <laughs> self-obsessed. Um, but also just totally like naive and almost doesn't care, doesn't doesn't care what anyone thinks in a way. No, or, she or is totally oblivious to what other people think. Not just that, but she's also an interesting character for the group because she is almost like the antithesis of Kermit. Yes, she is totally in it for rich and fame mm. versus. She couldn't give a shit about anyone. <laughs> no, she just loves her Kermy, and and their love is is quite well. Her love for him is quite sweet, and he just can't be bothered saying no. At least in this film, <laughs> <laughs> it's too much hassle. Yeah, no, he does seem to enjoy it because he's clearly upset when things go sour. Yeah, um, they do seem to have a real connection. No, they do. Yeah. Uh, which is which is really interesting. And but yes, we were having a good laugh at her um her uh, dramatic body language, like when she opens the door and she's like sways back oh, and yeah. flings her hair to the side yeah. so she doesn't rely on facial expressions she relies on um, on body expressions and they're overly dramatic and they suit her character to a T yes exactly Kermit is just lanky legs and arms so like distant shots of him and stuff or him like riding a bike or him like standing <laughs> standing at high noon with like bow legs it's just it's, hilarious it's just hilarious because it looks so <laughs> stupid but it works really well it, it's because you you shouldn't see that. No, You're not used to seeing that. No, so they just drop it occasionally, and that mm. works really well. Well, like, I guess to drop some kind of, like, interesting stuff about mm. this film, like, that's kind of a, the, the interesting thing about this, what made this film so special, is the, the idea of, like, going into production and, like, what was the point of making a Muppet movie, I guess, mm. um, kind of expanding and branching from television to movies, was... Uh, how the idea of how far could the Henson company push puppet like puppetry and yeah. advance that technology? And it turns out I did a bit of research and it turns out Henson was had already broken new ground. It turns out he was the first puppeteer to do a puppet on television outside of an archway. Oh, really? You know how like very, you think very stereotypical old style puppet, they don't like, move, they like just... Punch and Judy style, like they yep. they're like in a they're weird framed and yeah, yep. and there's like this cardboard little archway or a castle yep. or something. Henson was the first puppeteer to go on television and not do perform with that. Oh, yeah, okay. Because he had the idea of no, the television is that. Yeah, they're already framed. Yeah, yeah. So we don't need that additional thing. And Very simple thought. Yep. Yeah. So he had the idea of okay, well, we've done that. We've bridged that gap with television. How can we then do that with film? And mm-hmm. it was show the full body. It, yep. This it turns out this was the first time puppets were ever shown. Oh, really? And puppets were ever shown as a full body shot. So, and and it opens with Kermit sitting on a rock. Yeah, <laughs> that scene took five days to shoot, and Jim Henson is under the water in a barrel with a breathing tube. <laughs> really. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward. That to water is still yeah, that, as well, and, and he's what's his face rock, rocks up on a boat. Yeah, like, he's committing. And yeah, Jim Henson. He's apparently in a waterproof barrel with a monitor to kind of see his performance, and he has a, a small tube for breathing and oh, his hand up. <laughs> and then the audio is already pre-recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, the banjo work probably was. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, mm. wow. But um, like the idea of being able to show the puppets kind of in their full body mm. um, is also what kind of led to the narrative of the film being so centred on Kermit's legs. 
Yeah, there, like there's some great shots of Kermit's legs. Well, not just that, but like the idea that Doc Hopper has like Frog's Legs Restaurant, and yeah, it's the of I, course, yeah. yeah, it's it's the whole thing is yeah, yeah. That's kind of where that comes from. Okay, so back then you would have just been like, "This is so different." This effects are amazing. Like even even now, you brought up like the, the yeah, scene ha- Kermit riding I, a bike. So there's a bit uh, pretty early on where Kermit's like, "All right, I'm leaving the swamp," and uh, and he hops on his bike and he just seems cycling the bike and. Into town, I just turned to because I'm like, how, how'd they film this? And and you didn't give me the answer at the time. Uh, so. It was a marionette system hung from a crane, uh, a crane out of shot. Well done, because <laughs> I mean, it, it, obviously, it's it's a good quality film. There's no strings. Yeah, um, Kermit's mouth still moves and everything like that. He's, yeah, he's singing kind of along or something or crazy. talking to himself. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that has to be kind of some robotic, yeah, remote control thing that's happening there. But but that was yeah, that was that was really really cool. Mm. Um, and then there were, uh, and even just like shots of Kermit's legs, like the high noon, like yeah, shot where he steps over the top of the camera in a way, and things like that. Oh, that's, yeah. And then there's other characters like, um, or Jack, but what's his? Uh, uh, Sweetums. Sweetums. Yeah. Um, who's just a man in a suit? Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> guessing it's similar to like Big Bird as well, yep. like those kind of big full body puppets yeah. and things. But um, which is kind of what makes the Muppets pretty cool, I guess. You've just got all sizes and different types it's not just like all our characters look the same mm. and they're all hand operated puppets and none of them move they're like no no let's have a big big man in a freaking suit yeah let's have a, a frog with lanky legs um and let's have yeah like kermit's hand face operated puppet and i guess um rolf the dog is the same yeah um except he doesn't have the same level of expression because he's clearly just like a coconut he, he's been around since the 50s yeah, exactly. <laughs> like has not been no developed. i noticed that this time watching that i'm like you're, yeah, he didn't age as well. Somehow yeah. Kermit's aged okay because I think Kermit is simple without you kind of noticing how simple he is. Yes, you you do see and you're like, oh, that's a hand in a in a, in a puppet. That's what. Yeah. But I, I think it goes back to what you were saying: the, the facial expressions and the way that yeah. Henson's yeah. able to manipulate it. That it actually, yeah, and that helped me connect to Kermit a lot, mm. along with like his his just sweet nature and his his lovely messages and. And he's, he didn't want to let everybody down when things were not were going badly and stuff. Yeah. Um, he's kind of found himself in that designated leader kind of role. Yeah, so, exactly. And he's, yeah. he's sort of... He accepts responsibility because it's there, but he doesn't go seeking it kind of thing. Mm. He's just sort of a natural-born nice guy with a dream. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, he manages to... Yep, he manages like, to find out a few other people that have the same dream and yep. they all fulfil it. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a, It's a wonderful little kind of happy message about friendship and family and kind of pursuing your dra- your hobbies and your dreams that I think all kids should see. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny though, like, because as I was watching it, um, I, I wasn't that into it for like the first half. Hmm. Like, I was, I was liking enough of it, but um, wasn't that into it. But what I was thinking is like, oh man, if I watched this when I was six <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, grown up with it, mm. that would have been very different. Yeah, well, I mean, should we jump into that Might now like, well, so, on so yeah. um, adult Eric didn't didn't necessarily vibe no see I, I bought um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit a lot more than this yes I like I really enjoyed that um, as an adult watching it um, I can still respect everything this film has my and I wouldn't probably I'd be happy to watch it again I think I'd get a bit more out of it I'd like to watch The Muppet Show now mm. um, but um what I what I do know after watching is that if I I'm I'm pretty certain I would have really enjoyed it as a kid, mm-hmm. and um, 
and then yeah, growing up on that film, I would have just had fantastic, like you, yeah, <laughs> um, would have had fantastic memories and connotations attached to it. Yeah. So this is one where I, like I think I said with Roger Rabbit, I wouldn't have liked that much as a kid. I don't think. Mm. Um, this one, I'm a bit like, oh, wish I'd seen that. It's kind of almost the inverse. It's the flip, of the two. Yeah. exactly. I'm like, oh, this would have been a great one to grow up with. Yeah. Is it um, adult Eric not necessarily connecting because it is very much a kids' movie, or um, it were yeah. It just didn't have a lot of depth to it, like no. the family, and now no, and knowing the more of the backstory of the whole Henson stuff is, is really, I think that gives it extra weight for an adult watching it for the first time with no attachments to it. Yeah. Um, the jokes are Mel Brooksy <laughs> and not as good. Okay, everybody, drinks on the house. No drinks up here. What you talking about? Come on, tell us something with drinks on the house. Yes. Yeah. No. It, um, well, I mean, it is. Not that all Brooks films are flawless. But, no, um, no. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, it is a kids, movie. It's, yeah. it's rated G. It is exactly for yeah. kids. So I yeah. think yes, the, that's right. The kids element of it, um, it, it's not like some Pixar films, which are kids films, but just like, you know. An adult can just latch on. Yeah, Pixar have truly created an art form where it is just yeah. What they do is anyone amazing. can enjoy these films. Yeah, they they're very very good at what they do, and except but, for Cars. Yeah, Cars <laughs> is a different one. We'll leave that alone. It was that was that was good enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's it. Yeah, perhaps it is just a little, and there just didn't wasn't the extra depth level for an adult watching it for the first time. Yeah, but um, no, I I, I think. As a, as a film, I'm like, yeah, I wish I'd watched a bit more, and I'd, I'd definitely be interested in watching The Muppet Show mm. and um, and various uh, Fraggle Rock and things. Fraggle like Rock's that. an interesting one. It's that's it, I mean, very much a more linear kind of kids programming thing, but it's yeah. just an interesting world and yeah, fun was, puppets and stuff. Yeah, I liked it because like it's a very amazing creation. What what Henson yeah. obviously just put together. Not so many puppets as you see in the. And they're all so different. That's what I love about it. Yeah. Just the creativity in those guys. Um, that's that's Henson to a T. He, I, I truly think he's one of the great kind of American artists of the 20th century. Like, with mm. what he managed to create. It, it's something truly amazing. Yeah, and, and like I was saying, like each puppet design is totally different. Like, even when you look at Beaker. Yeah. All Beaker has is a mouth flap. Yeah, just to think that and be like, yes. And two human hands as well. It takes two people to operate Beaker. That's right, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, each puppet is trying a different design. Like, yeah. it's not, yeah, like I was saying, it's not like, um, you know, all the Simpsons characters, great characters, but uh, they, they all have the same facial, like, at least the family and a lot of others have the same facial structure, same eye shape and everything. And then um, also, like, you, you see it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a Simpsons character. Like, yes, yeah. exactly. And you can still recognise most Henson um, ones, but, but he's trying something new with pretty much every single one mm. at least the ones I saw so I, I quite like that something I loved about the film though and that's and that I did enjoy as an adult and funnily enough I mightn't have enjoyed as much as a kid are the songs yeah it's a great soundtrack oh right? they're so good yeah it's like, uh, Paul, Paul Williams and Kenny Asher did the, the all the music and songs uh Fantastic! <laughs> it's so good. Like, um, and they're so different. Like, um, songs about rainbows, whatever. Uh, Rainbow Connection. Rainbow Connection is um, is just a lovely song. Yes. <laughs> and then um, uh, I can't remember the second song, but the song uh, moving right along. <laughs> yes, the road tripping song is yeah. fantastic. Um, you said you road trip through America through that song. Yeah, that, that was. Um, <laughs> I I want to say at least two or three of the songs from the soundtrack were on um, mine and my uh, wife's playlist when we drove across America earlier awesome. this year. Yeah, and it's yep. just it's a perfect road tripping song. Yeah, and yep. <laughs> yeah that, that was a really great tune. And then um, 
Oh, the, the band, what their name eludes me. We am, is, are, and be they whom as are known as the electric mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Their song was just awesome. Um, <laughs> Can you picture that? Yep, that's yep. it. Um, <laughs> even Miss Piggy's tune about falling in love. And then, like, yeah, all the songs are really, really... Yeah, great. I really yeah. enjoyed the song. Each time a song came, I was like, sweet, another song. Which you, isn't what I'm often like in films. Yeah, were you uh, were you expecting this to be as much of a... It, it's not a musical, but there are musical mm. interludes constantly. There's a Disney, Disney-esque mi- musical interludes, yeah. yeah. Um, were you, nec- you probably weren't necessarily expecting that. No, I hadn't thought about it at all. Mm. Um, I mean, I know it ain't easy being green. Yeah. <laughs> um... Once songs had started, I'm like, I wonder if that's in this film. But, um, no. Basically, mm. I was not. And, and particularly so many good ones. And I I quite like a decent number of musicals and things like yeah. that. Um, but I know when, particularly when I was young, like when a lot of films had music in it, unless they were really great songs. And some Disney ones were fantastic with that. Just wait till the song was over, really. Yeah. <laughs> so I, many I fillers. used to kind of fast forward as Yeah, as there's so well. many fillers. Um, yeah. But uh, at least... And I wonder if I would have been the same with this, actually, as a kid. But watching is... I love the songs. I, I noticed you tapping your foot a lot. Yeah, I was, <laughs> a just, couple of tunes. I was bopping in my <laughs> yeah. chair. Um, that, that was really good. I'll probably go home and listen to the soundtrack. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was that was really, really good. So obviously they're good. And I'm assuming that the show obviously had a few songs in it. Yeah, well, I mean, being a variety-based show, it was a lot of music. music. Like, if you go online, there's a bunch of clips you can find on YouTube and things. Like, um... I, I just knowing we were going to do this episode, I kind of fell down a bit of a YouTube yeah. rabbit hole the other night and watched um, Doctor Teeth and Electric Mayhem perform Crocodile Rock with Elton John. Awesome, great! Uh, yeah, they sung a bunch of songs with Deb- Debbie Harry. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, yep. it's they had proper musical acts of the day on performing their songs, and they yep. would do medleys with the Muppets, and it's, it's pretty amazing awesome. really. when you think about it. That's um, that's pretty impressive. Mm. Yeah, that music was really, yeah, really cool, and um, yeah, the, the band are just. Great. Yep. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I'd love to see a bit more of them on the show and stuff. Yeah, I think without, uh, again, it's a kind of weird thing to say, but without, I think, the, the musical interludes, it would be a little bit dull and dry, I think. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot happening. There's just basic little, like, things in plot devices and characters meeting in between. There's Gonzo buying all the balloons, getting talked into by Richard Pryor, which is pretty <laughs> funny, actually. What a wild idea! Beautiful chicken like that deserves two balloons. You're right. I have guys come in all the time. Sometimes they get a bunch of balloons for the girls. They go gaga for it. Gaga? I'll take the whole bunch. Gaga, gaga. Aww. <laughs> it was so, I forgot he was in this movie. Yeah. And when he showed up, I'm like, that's that's a weird... Out of all the cameos, that's probably yeah. the weirdest. <laughs> and it's funny, like, and, and then, like, also, um, Steve Martin was in it. And then you were, you were you know, you were saying how it's... Pretty much, it's his first proper um, full-length film feature at all. Oh, waiter. Yes? May I help you? Yeah, yeah. Like, Martin had obviously been huge with uh, one of the biggest stand-up comedians Mm. ever at that time. And um, it turns out, like, they were trying to... He and Carl Reiner, who was uh, previously Mel Brooks's... Mm. kind of comedy partner and things yep. the two of them were trying to branch uh, Steve into films and um, from you know seeing if he could make the transition and uh, he did a short film and had done a little few things with the Muppets mm. which is kind of why he 
it's, has a shot, like, you know, a yep. small role in this to try and see if he can work. And, yeah. Yeah, and so that was pretty funny. And then just, like, Orson Welles. Oh, that's the weirdest one. I quite liked it because it sort of suits. Yeah. <laughs> it really suits, particularly has, the time it's set. He has one line of dialogue, and then he's... That's it. That's it. <laughs> he got his paycheck and off he went. Yeah, he was so clearly drunk during it as well. <laughs> yeah, he looked like... Uh, maybe that's why they only gave him one line. His eyes are... So, oh, yeah. He he's... was very red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also just loved a lot of the... the just the general set design um, and things like that. And even just certain choices like... Um, uh, like the vehicles. So that the, mm. the Studebaker with... Um, with the, with the cone nose sort of thing early on, and mm. then swapping it for the Ford Woody. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, very old time. I was trying to pinpoint, like, when... Like, obviously the film was made in 1979, but, mm. like, when is it supposed to be necessarily set? Because it's... Well, it's... yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it, I, I, we could probably do a timeline and hunt down the cars and when they exist well, and things like, like that. I mean, the, the base thing you could run off of is the idea that they run into Big Bird at one point. Yes. Like, he's walking along the highway. Heading towards Sesame Street. Yeah, like, essentially he's going to Sesame Street, and so you could guess, like, uh, mid-60s? Yeah. Early 60s? Yeah. Maybe? If, Perhaps. like, you want to go on the actual chrono- chronological timeline of the Muppets. And I, I, I did, guess. and I, I know that Studebaker folded in, like, the 60s or something like that. You know, whether the car was a leftover. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty old and beaten up. Yeah, that's true. Um, Ford Woody's older than that, so... Yeah. Um, I don't know, the, the movie studio gives nothing away because it's an awesome Art Deco building, but that just means, like, I don't know, 1930s or something. Well, I, I just have to imagine that, that all of this is the filmmaker just being, like, timelessness. Yeah, I think like, you're right. Like, we're just going to go for universal... Well, they had, like, a Western of... showdown, like, in a movie set, mm. pretty much. Um, There's no real technology shown, like, it's... No, yeah. no, exactly. I mean, even the guns they use are old, like, shotgun things. Yeah. And then, he, a, a, like, a frog-roasting... Spit fire <laughs> Yeah, weird, like pitchforky yeah, little pitchfork harpoon. Gun. Yeah. Um, so, yes, no, yeah, I think they're right. They sort of go for that timeless, a little bit like Roger Rabbit. Well, Roger Rabbit's a bit more era specific, but um, it's like, yeah, we'll go back a little bit. Yeah. That'll do. It's an origin it, it, story. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. Were, were there any other. So, like, we've kind of figured out, like, Eric is adult, like. Okay, it's alright. Yeah, yeah. But as a kid, you would have... Really yeah, I think I really would have enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. and then um, probably... I don't know if I would have enjoyed Sesame Street that much more. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think Eric as a kid would have really liked this, and Eric as a slightly older kid would have liked The Muppet Show. Yeah. Or would have I, appreciated it and, um, and got into that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I highly... I, Highly recommend sitting down and kind of falling down YouTube rabbit holes of old Muppet Show sketches. Yeah, the music performances alone seem worth it. And yeah, uh, one particular sketch. Everyone should just go online and look up the Muppet Show and a sketch called Java. It, yeah. It's one of the best little weird artistic okay. fun little moments you'll ever see. I love Sweet. It. And it shows like, this is why the Muppets are great. <laughs> Alright, good. Java. But, um... Yeah, I guess unless there's anything... No, those are probably the the key ones. Yeah, I think um, it's uh, it's one that, yeah, like I said, it would have been really good to see younger and grow up with it and have the extra fond memories attached to then watch have watched the Muppet Show itself a lot more. Yeah. But 
never too late to get stuck into that stuff. So it's, uh, it's cleverly written. True. Yeah, I, I think I do view this film very much with nostalgia glasses. Yeah, it's, it's but... definitely one that nostalgia glasses would help, but I don't think they're bad nostalgia glasses in any way. I think mm. they're, they're well-deserved ones. Uh, this makes you, yeah, like we're saying, Henson and co were... I think yeah, it's fascinating. I've, I've really only on the scratch the surface them. I've seen Labyrinth, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and, yeah, we've got a few others. Like we'll, at some point, uh, we'll be doing the Dark Crystal. Yeah, which that's got to be on. That's been on my list for a long time. So that's a whole different type of Henson movie. Yeah, I've seen the trailer. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, and um, now there's there's a few things to say. It's a really good, well, it's a perfect opener, really. Mm, yeah, to, to open that that rabbit hole. Well, as uh, as usual with this uh, show, I've got a little bit of our uh, info and kind of mm-hmm. background on the film, I guess. We kind of delve into it at the tail's end here. Um, so the lifetime gross of the film at the US box office, I've got two figures on how much money this made. Yep. Okay. Uh, I couldn't find a definitive one. Uh, I found $65.2 million or 76.6. So I'm get- Close enough. Split the difference. 70 million. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I uh, made that on a budget of $8 million. Okay, they got their return. Yeah, but that's also fairly high for... 90, like, yeah. For a fairly, I guess, kids' film and simple-ish film, like, for 1979, it's a relatively high budget. They didn't break too many things, did they? No. No, not, there weren't any Michael Bay explosions. Not really. A pie got thrown at a car at one point. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, they didn't really trash many vehicles or anything like that. I, no. Maybe the puppetry and... Might have needed some fancy cranes. I uh, guess, yeah. Lots of batteries. Um, adjusted for inflation, it made $231.9 million. Yeah, okay. So... Did pretty well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it, I found this surprising. It was only the 10th highest grossing film of 1979. Okay. So but there it, were some big films in 1979. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of that... And I suppose it is a kid's film, so it just kind yeah. of... Yeah. You know, it's always hard to know with those. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nominated for two Academy Awards at the 1980 Oscars, Best Original Song for Rainbow Connection. Great. And, <laughs> and uh, Best Music. Great, yeah. Uh, it didn't win either. Oh. Oh. Um, Rainbow Connection was also nominated for a Golden Globe, and the soundtrack won a Grammy. And uh, the film was actually inducted into the National Film Registry in 2009. <laughs> that would have made you happy. Yeah. So we're, we're five for five. Every, say, every yeah. movie we've done so far for this podcast is in the National Film we, Registry. We didn't do that on purpose, listeners. Yeah, it's, it's just the luck I of just, the draw. I, I just made a list with Chris's help. I'm going to be disappointed <laughs> when the first one gets pulled out and it's not in the National Film yeah. Registry. <laughs> or you might be, depending on the film. Hmm. That's true. <laughs> They're mostly good. Yeah. Uh, the original outline of the film it was t- originally titled M- The Muppet Get-Together. Yeah, okay. No, Muppet movie just... It just works. It yeah, just yeah. works. Uh, apparently, director James Frawley was actually pretty unhappy making the movie. Uh, this is according <laughs> to actor Austin Pendleton, who played Max. Uh, yes, I saw that in the in the credits, yep. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Austin Pendleton. I like that guy. He's yep. a weird old character actor. Um, yeah, apparently he had a lot of difficulty kind of... Um, working with the Muppet performers as opposed to, like, real actors and uh, yeah, okay. kind of the creative drive of Henson and Oz and things yeah. kind of pushing the film. Uh, coincidentally, um, up until, I think, you know, the late uh, late 90s, early 2000s, up until that point, uh, this was the only Muppet movie that was actually directed by a non-Muppet company member. Yeah, so that's interesting. As you were saying that, I was saying that's interesting why I didn't I mean, I guess Henson had enough to worry about anyway. Yeah, and I but guess... why didn't was, those guys direct it? What I find especially interesting is because at this point, Henson was Academy Award nominated for a short film. Mm, so um, he knows what he's doing. He, and <laughs> the weird thing is, his short film has no puppetry. 
Oh. He, he just made an amazing art short film called yep. Timepiece. Um, yep. Look it up. It's, it's online. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no puppets or anything in it, but it's... He's just, an, he's just got vision for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah he, so he's he, just like a creative, I think. So, so he, you imagine he's got the skills to put together this big film yeah. and direct it, but I guess, I don't know, that, that's still a pretty big burden to carry. Perhaps he felt bringing yeah. someone else on board. Well, he directed the next one, The Great Muppet Caper, in 1981, and yep. then co-directed Dark Crystal with Frank Oz, and then yep. I think after that it was sort of Frank Oz directed a few, uh, his son Brian Henson then took over directing after Jim yep. had died and things, so it was... Okay. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Mm. So it, it kind of makes sense that, like... This was the only major film not directed by him. They kind of learned from their mistake and just like, no, 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 this just needs to be a family affair. Yeah, maybe for the first one they just thought, let's let's get an external. And I'm imagining as well probably studio money and things, just like oh, doing their due diligence, I guess. Yep, in good that point. regard. Um, I found this one funny for the scene where Animal grows absolutely gigantic yes. during the western fight uh, Henson refused to use a regular sized puppet on a miniature set so the crew constructed a gigantic animal head <laughs> that was practical and 60 feet across there's the budget <laughs> yeah watching that scene again I'm like that's practical that's insane <laughs> wow because it's a like it's literally the size of a house. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess like and that kind of also goes to the the final scene, which is the reprieve of um, Rainbow Connection. Mm. That giant mass- massive crane shot kind yeah. of pulling out. There are over two hundred and fifty puppets. There are so in that many. Scene. It's every single Muppet that had been created to that date. Yep. And I according that was the case. Yeah. A- according to an archivist, uh, one hundred and thirty-seven puppeteers were enlisted from the Puppeteers of America, along with the regular Muppet performers, to perform every Muppet in existence. Uh, prior to the day of filming of the shot, Jim Henson gave the enthusiastic participants a lesson in the art of cinematic puppetry. Uh, so basically, how that shot was achieved, it was uh, the hundred, about 150 Puppeteers in a 6-foot deep, 17-foot wide pit. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they all basically... Did they their... People yeah. volunteered. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you can get there, of course. Uh, apparently among the volunteers were filmmaker John Landis, who yeah. went on to do Blues Brothers and yep. American Wealth in London. Of course, yeah. He was a puppeteering Grover from Sesame Street, apparently. Uh-huh, there we go. Because yep. Frank Oz was busy with Miss Piggy. Yep. And another one, apparently Tim Burton. Director really? Tim Burton was one of the puppeteers. Fascinating. I wonder how much he took on to Nightmare Before Christmas and others. Yeah, just his kind of unique design kind of artistic mm. stuff, yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really cool because that yeah, it's a really good finishing shot. That one, like, mm. it's just like the Muppets. <laughs> well, and I mean, it, also the lyrics of the of that part of the song are very impactful. Life's like a movie. Write your own ending. Keep believing. Keep pretending. We've done just what we've set out to do. Bang! We've done it. Yeah. You give it a crack. You can. You can yep. do it too. Yep. <laughs> Awesome. Yep, sums it all up perfectly. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, awesome. Well, I guess it's um, it's time to, to pick the next one, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. I will uh, um, grab the hat. Grab the the top hat and the the slowly shrinking pile of uh of films, um, and we'll uh we'll see what comes out. Do you want me to do this? Yep. Alrighty, I've got it. Okay. So next time, we'll see what what kind of weird film we get this time. Is it totally different? Oh, no. Now I have a machine gun. 
It's Christmas time. So our next episode, we didn't actually pull out of the hat. We've made the executive decision. It's time for Eric to watch arguably the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard. Oh, is that the greatest? I, I'd say to hell with It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have heard from everybody that it is. it is it sits up there as, as much better than Miracle on 34th Street. Yep. <laughs> I mean, who really wants a lawsuit against Santa? <laughs> yeah, come on, guys. Um, no, I this has been on the list of films to watch for a long, long time. I've just never got round to it. Yeah. And, um, and everybody else has, like everybody else has. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yep, so Christmas time, nothing out of that for this one. Um Nobody let be let down. People will just be kind of happy and their frustrations will be lost that I've finally seen the film. What better way to spend the holiday season than with Bruce Willis killing a whole bunch of terrorists? Like, yeah, it's pretty ideal, really. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> and some Rickman and everything, like... Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, so that's gonna, that's what we're up to next. Um, and then, then we, we'll... we'll We'll, we'll get back in into back, normal routine up. Back to the regular scheduled programming, I guess. That's correct. Uh, but for now, we'll uh, drop you back into the episode uh, you're currently listening to and uh, enjoy. But I guess uh, kind of wrapping it up, um, I've uh, ended up. I've started an email account for this uh, for this show. Uh, for anyone listening out there. Uh, if you kind of want to join the conversation, uh, have any thoughts about some of the movies we've watched, or dare I say, have any recommendations of uh, films we should put into the hat, uh, feel free to send us an email at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com. No, right. No punctuation in there, just haven't seen pod. Haven't seen pod, perfect. At gmail.com, and yeah, we'll um, take your suggestions on board. And yeah, that'd be great. Like, love to hear be, from you. We've got, a, we've got a big list, but um, everybody has their own childhood films. Exactly. Look, Chris's are totally different to mine. I know some I missed out on. Mm. I know some of my friends have watched. And then, um, obviously, Chris uh, has watched a lot of very different ones while he's watched them all, let's be honest. <laughs> um, you never know, there are a few that have escaped me. Yeah, so. there, there are a couple. Um so, no, all recommendations are very helpful. They, they make it fun. Yeah. But I guess uh, until the next episode, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, uh, my name is Chris. I'm Eric, and uh, see you next time. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.